is uh, This is Joe Cole. This is Ruben Loftus Cheek, and you're listening to the London, the London is Blue podcast. All right, Chelsea fans, welcome back to another episode. That's right, of the London is Blue podcast. Your hopefully favorite Chelsea podcast. Dan here, no Brandon. He had to go watch his brother get married this weekend. So yeah, I think he won. Nick, in terms of things to do this weekend, which was not watching Chelsea lose 4-1 at the Amex. Most importantly, uh, we were both at, at one Busby's wedding back in July, and I think his brother gave what might have been the best, best man speech I've ever heard in person in my life. So Brandon had a lot of living up to do, and I'm curious uh, to see how he did. Uh, we, we need we may the get the Yeah, we, we absolutely need to break down the tape of this, of this best man speech because... I think Alex had a, a lofty bar uh, to set for that one. Yeah, well, we had to figure out who could we bring in, who would bring the energy for the conversation here. No Brandon Busby. We didn't want another person for the goalkeepers union. That's done and dusted. We can't let that happen here. So it is Jam, our good friend. Um, it's been a long time since we've seen him in person. It was celebrating the Women's FA Cup victory yeah. back in uh, May of this past year, but... Jam, welcome to the the first time on the show. Glad to have you, man. Oh, Dan, Nick, glad to be here. Um, when I got the message the other day, I was, I was, uh, I must admit, I caught myself smiling at my phone, thinking, "Yes, this is a uh, this is a great opportunity. I'd love to be on." And uh, yeah, delighted to 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 be on with you guys, but uh, not delighted about what what we're about to talk about, I guess. <laughs> Well, how about we keep it a little bit more positive before we jump into the match? Because I, for those who don't know, who maybe don't follow Twitter or don't go to the you know club's website on a regular basis, you've been doing a lot of exceptional work with the club. Uh, for those who don't know, in October in the UK, that is the UK's Black History Month, and you've been doing a lot of work with Paul Canneville and with the club, and there was a wonderful video that they put out that uh, you were involved with as well. But maybe just walk us through, like, how's this past couple weeks been for you? Because it feels like uh, you've been a little bit of a, a star of the show, the MC in some scenarios as well. Yeah, it's just been, it's been crazy. It's honestly, it's been crazy. I've never done these kind of things before. So obviously the first time you do big media things, you're always a bit nervous or overly nervous, if you like. So the first thing that happened is Chelsea asked us asked me and three other fans to be a part of their black history month video that had uh, some of the players perspectives too so that was Ruben Loftus-Cheek um Trevor Chalabar and uh Koulibaly as well so we've turned up at their training ground to his house and then oh, these three players are there as well it was just like surreal I just turned up parked outside and I was like oh hi. <laughs> um but yeah, recording it, I felt nervous, but it was just such a good experience, you know, and it's it's good to see Chelsea just really getting involved in talking about the past. And, you know, we can't run from the past. If we're on a journey, we need to know about where we've come from to know where we're going, you know. Um, so it was really good when they when they reached out to do that. And then, you know, just to kind of um, to really finish things off, the other night, um, Paul Canneville had his own like Black History Month event at Stamford Bridge and he asked me to host it again I've never done anything like this before I think the last time I had the microphone on the stage was probably when I was in primary school you know it's <laughs> it's it's crazy it's just been so surreal and slowly but surely I've been getting so nervous to the build-up to it but yeah when it came around everyone was just smiling it felt like really good energy in the place and it was whilst we're talking about the past and you know the racism that unfortunately was associated with Chelsea uh, you know back in the 70s and the 80s it was actually a celebration of the journey so everyone was smiling everyone had some real positive energy we're celebrating Paul Canneville and what he'd done you know being that that um real figurehead in the fight against racism still to this day stuff like that other black players that have come through and done really well with us and it was kind of an extension of that video um but honestly I'm still processing it now I've met some really, really nice people, famous people, ex-players, you know, Tom Glick, Barbara Sharon, just people that have big jobs at Chelsea. And uh, yeah, I'm, I'm still processing it. Um, it's, it's been wild. That's awesome, man. I mean, it's, you know, the, one, we've we've had the pleasure of interviewing Ruben before and the dude just lights up a room. I mean, he is, he is so friendly and uh, welcoming, you know, even... 
you know, we've, we're nervous anytime we get to talk to, to players as well. And it, he made that process so smooth for us. It was great. Two, two shout outs, though, for sure. Uh, Paul and, and Paul's foundation are doing some incredibly important work. Um, and so always encourage folks to go uh, over. He has everything linked in his, his Twitter profile. So go check that out, obviously. And then uh, if you want a, a little bit of a, a different perspective, our famous CFC podcast recently interviewed Paul Elliott for Black History Month, who is uh, the first black captain at Chelsea. Uh, it's an incredible interview. They do such a good job of kind of diving into the good, the bad, and the ugly, frankly, of of what happened even in the early 90s, right? And this isn't so long ago. So I uh, really uh, encourage everyone to go check that out. Those episodes are evergreen. They're not tied to a match or anything like that. So go check it out and let us know how you how you feel about it. But super pumped for you, Jim. Super pumped. Yeah, it's, it's just been surreal. And, you know, thanks for saying that. I mean, it, do, you, do you know the one thing I walked away from? Um, the one thing I was thinking walking away from there that event on Thursday was that actually it was a serious education for me because I thought I knew about what had happened in the past, but, you know, hearing people going up that experienced it firsthand, talking about trying to dodge the national front people that are outside Stanford bridge, selling their material, you know, whatever they, they were kind of trying to get across as a group. It was, it's crazy. It, honestly, some of the stories were really touching, um, but it's good to know. It's really good to know where the club was before um, and where we are going. I know I've said that already, but seriously, I was I came away from that evening feeling like everyone really wanted to partake in, you know, some real change going forward in the future. I think things are really good at, at, at the moment. I'm not saying they're not, but, you know, we, we want to, it really seemed like Chelsea wanted to be a leading club in the fight against all kinds of hate, not just even racism, you know, beyond that which is good. Um, it's really encouraging to see there's a lot of energy going into it uh, and everyone's singing from the same hymn sheet. So, you know, watch your space with Chelsea. Watch your space. Well, that is all wonderful news to hear. And it's so great to hear how closely you got to be involved with all this, what you're able to kind of do and communicate across kind of your, your own channels as well. So, I don't want to do the hard pivot to something that is less fun to talk about, this Brighton match, but we're going to do it. We're going to talk about how Chelsea set up for disaster and disaster came, and then how Potter tries to fix this or plug some holes in the boat between now and the World Cup, because we've got a season effectively of two halves, the pre-World Cup and post-World Cup periods. But as always, as ever, when there's no Brandon here, Nick Ferlaney gets the reins of the three-word match review, and why don't you tell us what the people were thinking? There are a lot we didn't, there's a lot we, didn't, we left on the floor. There's a lot we left on the floor. Yeah, yeah. after after a match like that, typically it, it veers in a more negative direction, which is fair enough. But uh, first, out of the gate, Mr. Thurman with conspiracy theory talk. Birds aren't real. Okay, very interesting. Uh, Classic 86 with we outscored them, which technically is accurate. <laughs> uh, clip show with Potter's West Brom. I think we all... Are, are calling for a West Brom type uh, result there. Uh, Adi Joseph with gross blank points. Amea with seasonal boogie results, bogey results. I think we need to, we'll fix the spelling on that one. Uh, Oshwat with Potter's magic wand waned. We're trying to insert parens there. Okay, fair enough. RJ with credit card declined <laughs> and uh, five takes on the five stripes. Deserved to lose, which I think is is probably my winner out of that one. Yeah, that, that's what I thought as well. I went with Brighton Super Bowl for. Uh, I mean, this was really the game that they were going to step up for because you know it's the old flame comes back, the one that they loved, and they wanted to show up. They wanted to make sure that they reminded Potter what he left behind, and uh, it's a club obviously on a very upward trajectory at the moment. So that's what I went with. Were you surprised at all with how much the Brighton fans were up for it slash booed the, no. the entire match? No. I, I kind of was. I don't know why, but... Took a player, took a manager, took a backroom staff, took another individual just recently. Like, we've, we've rated them. Like, let's just be fair. We, we have rated them. And so I am not... Look, maybe the next game... Are they potentially a little nicer to Graham Potter? I would imagine so. I think that this one, though, was a very much the statement stamping it on there. Like, hey, 
FYI, you left us. We didn't leave you. Yeah. All right. Fair enough. I don't know. I was a little whatever about it personally. But um, yeah, I went with Swarmed by Seagulls. I think this takes into account their press, their energy, and the fact that seagulls are actually bastards of, of the bird world. They are. <laughs> they're, they're, they're terrors. All right. Well, let's round us out, Jam. What did you go with? So I, kind of, I just went for three separate words. But just to okay. summarize what I'm thinking, diabolical, lethargic, and embarrassing. There you go. <laughs> all right to the all end of each one. <laughs> uh, an individual statement. Love it. Um, all right, so we got a couple quick gratitudes before we jump into the match review. We want to say thank you to Joshua for joining us. Patreon. We got Curtis and D Walls five five five. All leaving wonderful five star reviews and Apple Podcasts. So you can do that for not only London is Blue, but you can do that for the separate feed for the women's show we have for Blue Royalty as well. Getting a lot of wonderful five star reviews there, and then uh, still working our way to one thousand six hundred plus for five star reviews on Spotify. So uh, if you haven't done either of those, or if you're at a Halloween party, maybe, you know, you kind of you know, say have have a conversation starter. Like, hey, let me see your phone and leave a five-star review for us. That'd be great. We'd appreciate it. Um, but, hey, we'll get into the match details. So it was Brighton. It was this past Saturday, October 29th. It was at the Premier It was the Premier League match at the Amex with the scoreline of Brighton 4, Chelsea 1. It was Trossard at the fifth minute with an early goal. And then, hey, we gave him two. Ruben Loftus-Cheek gives him one in the 14th minute. And then Trev in the 42nd minute, two own goals. Uh, I can't remember the last time Chelsea have done that in a match. Kai Havertz in the 48th minute tries to pull one back. But Pascal Gross... 90th plus two gets his opportunity to involve himself in the action here. But, Nick, we'll kick it over to the fifth stand, and then we'll let you get right into the lineup to uh, hear how it went. Yeah, look, if you've been around for a while, you know the editor, Jake, does not love playing the highlights of terrible games. And this was one of the worst in a while, so we're going to skip the fifth stand highlights. Thank you to the fifth stand. Fantastic. Fantastic platform. Super sweet for letting us be involved. But just not today. All right, we'll, we'll throw it back to the guys. All right, Nick, so lineup time, what do we got? Well, uh, unfortunately, <laughs> the, the lineup that we put out didn't, didn't quite do the job. Um, Keppa between the sticks, who was replaced at halftime, it seemed like an injury kind of concern there. Trev Chalbo, Tiago Silva, Marco Correa start for the second time in a week. Uh, Mateo Kovacic and Ruben Loftus-Cheek in midfield with Sterling and Pulisic as quote unquote wing backs, although there wasn't much back to the to the wing play there um, from either Mason Mount, Connor Gallagher and Kai Havertz up front with a substitutes bench of Edouard Mendy, who obviously came in for Kepa at halftime. Ben Chilwell uh, coming in late on. Uh, Ziyech coming in late on and a Bamiang and Broya kind of trying to score some late goals, which didn't didn't really naturally uh, happen there. Unused subs of Zakaria, Jorginho, Aspilicueta, and Omari Hutchinson getting his first uh, kind of bench appearance for Chelsea. Has been playing a lot in the uh, kind of U19s, U23s stage. So very excited for him. Yeah, he might have gotten a chance to jump on for this match had it not gone completely off script. But, Jam, when you saw the lineup initially, you know, what was your first reaction to? what you were seeing as the 11 starting. Well, I, I, I felt like I was doing an impression of Carla Ancelotti in my eyebrow, just up here, you know? Like those wing backs, it was... <laughs> I mean, my my understanding with, with Graham is that I like him as a manager. I, I have full trust and backing of him. So when I see a weird thing like that, I will react, but I will also kind of have that faith and just see what he can cook up. Do you know what I mean? So I, I looked at it and thought, okay, like, I wouldn't have done this, but I'm not the manager. Okay, well, what can you cook up, Graham? And unfortunately, <laughs> it was nothing It was nothing edible, let's put it that way. It was, um, yeah, disgusting, to be honest. Um, but I guess we're going to break it down now, aren't we? Yeah, so we'll get into the high-level stats here real quick. And uh, look, Chelsea did have more possession of the ball, almost 60% to Brighton's 40. We had seven shots on target to their nine. They had 19 shots in total to our 15. So not good there, even with the possession that we had. We had 694 touches to their 525, 498 passes to their 332, eight tackles to their 17, 16 clearances to their 21, 
seven corners to their eight, two yellow cards to their one, and then six fouls conceded to their 16. And when you look at the expected goal, uh, no surprise. Again, so for those who don't know, expected goal does not take own goal into the calculation because it is a goal not scored by a member of your team. And so, like, you see this flat line of, like, oh, hey, Ruben has scored. Oh, hey, Trev has scored. It doesn't change the XG. So uh, Brighton did have a higher XG, 1.98, to Chelsea's 1.34. Uh, and that, uh, you know, basically we just followed them kind of just a step below in terms of that. But one random stat, Brighton have beaten Chelsea in a league meeting for the first time in the club's history. Yeah, I mean, it, since 1933, right? I mean, this is the, and I think that was a, it was a cup match, right? So I, this is, uh, yeah, it's, it's, it's tough. I mean, you, you could argue that Graham Potter's Brighton last year could have beaten us twice. Um, and so I don't, if you're looking at this and going, wow, I'm so surprised. Like, I, I don't think you should be. Um, one, Chelsea been playing with house money in these formation changes for a couple of weeks now. We're obviously not healthy. We obviously have a lot of work to do within the squad. But two, Brighton are incredibly improved. This is not a slouch team. I remember... They gave City a hell of a time last week. They went up to Anfield and got a draw, a high-scoring draw, um, and and now they've they've pumped us. I mean, this is a team that's playing above themselves in some cases, and then below themselves in some cases. It kind of feels like they raised their game against the level of opposition uh, that, that they're facing. So, uh, you know, they, they deserve to win. They played way better than we did, uh, but I think you know if Chelsea had been a little bit more clinical, it could have been interesting in the last 20 minutes and it just wasn't all right so no nick verlaney patented eye test should have someone with a match that just nope it was everybody watching who woke up super early or super uh, had to stay up super late depending on your time zone to watch the match uh that that was it that was it uh all right we'll take our quick break and then we'll jump right into it uh so thank you sponsor for financially supporting the show we'll be right back all right so chelsea set up and set up for disaster, and no surprise, disaster followed. Uh, so there were plenty of things that didn't work, and maybe as we kind of get into it, Nick, uh, I know we didn't have an eye test from you, but maybe what did you think or what were you seeing just from the beginning, from post-lineup to lining up on the pitch to the first Trissard goal and really that first half where Chelsea just looked completely out of it? What wasn't working from what you saw? I mean, almost everything. Okay, I, like, okay, okay. Let's be more specific than everything. Let's let's nail in on a couple things in particular. This formation uh, is is trying to use all of the ingredients at our disposal that we can. It's putting experience in uncomfortable situations and uncomfortable positions, but it's largely because we're injured. Like not having Koulibaly for the last couple of weeks has been really difficult like more difficult than I would have anticipated, right? And what his injury has done, in addition to Reese James being out and Fafana being out um, and all this stuff, is it puts Thiago Silva in a position to play multiple times a week, which I think he showed a little bit of fatigue yesterday, if we're honest. It puts Trev Chalaba in the same position because you can't rotate either one of those. And it puts Mark Kukure in a position which I, I don't think he really should be in for a while, which is this left center back slash kind of left back <laughs> role when they rotate forward on a, on a left-sided attack. And it stretches the defense. There are huge gaps between our midfield and our defense yesterday, and that allowed Brighton to swarm our defenders to press high and really gave them a couple of easy goals at the end of the game, right? I mean, so Pascal Gross gets an easy one off of a, a really sloppy bit of play. Uh, the initial goal from Chossard was certainly because of their press and Thiago Silva making a couple of mistakes. And then the own goals, they get in behind both times. I mean, it's it's not a complicated uh, formula at that point, Jam, when, when you look at how they scored yesterday and, and where they attacked. Yeah, I mean, we've there's a common theme with Chelsea. Um, the games we've lost in the league this season, we've lost to intensity. We haven't really, it, it hasn't always been quality. I mean, you look at the Leeds game, you look at the Southampton game, these teams just, their fans got a bit noisy. They all had a bit of a adrenaline rush and that's mm. it. We just get outrun. 
that it's 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 extremely annoying when that's the way you lose a game. Do you, do you know what I mean? And I think Brighton obviously had more quality than the other two teams that, that I mentioned, Leeds and Southampton. But we, it was just unreal the way they started that game. They could have been three 0 up before they actually scored that first goal in the fifth minute. Thiago Silva cleared two off the line. <laughs> they could easily have been goals, and they they were really good clearances. Like these guys weren't messing about. It's almost like they were told that they had to be one 0 up by the tenth minute. Uh, but but you, you could just see this with Chelsea. When when Chelsea play at their worst, it's with a lack of intensity. We don't have the characters or enough characters to rise to the occasion, to, um, you know, foul some players in certain places, to just go long for a little bit and just ride it out until the momentum switches. You know, we, we, we just don't have that. We just get outrun. I call it hammock football, where we're just laying back and just waiting for it. Honestly, it's crazy. Um and we just never woke up until it was too late. I mean, after 2-0, I think we played okay. We got it back into it a little bit. You know, we created our own chances. Um, who was it? It was um, Pulisic and... Uh, Gallagher. Who was it before that? Gallagher. That goes in. It could be a different game because suddenly that's 2-1 quite quickly. But yeah, I was just... The, the face I had on watching that first half, honestly... Um, it's the very worst of Chelsea. And, you know, there's a few players that, that I unfortunately just have to have a look at, you know, um, just not good enough, unfortunately. There were some interesting things. You mentioned the the press and the intensity, and there were definitely things that Thiago Silva did in terms of some clearances, but he was also being forced into some what I would call very uncharacteristic passes that he was trying to make to get out and to play out of the the press that was not super helpful when he's turning the when Thiago Silva is turning the ball over you know that you are in for a very very rough day and that there is not going to be an off switch to this Brighton team and there was not for the entirety of this match because again once they went 2-0 up they're like okay well we we've got this we're we're, we're locked in we're going to deliver the result as we maybe focus on some of the other specifics, something that didn't work in this realm is this whole Sterling and Pulisic as wingbacks. Uh, I think in two ways. One, they're never really 100% committed to the attack. And then they're really not helping out defensively. And you saw some really wild instances where Chalaba was isolated in a two-on-one and I think that's part of the reason why he had to make the challenge he did, which led to the own goal. And then you see Kukurea in just acres of space. And look, he's not our answer for left center back. And I, I don't think that's a thing that is going to make people feel unhappy or be a crazy thought. And so if you're saying, cool, we're going to leave these players isolated. We're going to try to get these individuals forward. And they have to be adding so much extra value moving forward to be in that role, Nick. And if they don't do that, then really it's just, you're, you're risking unnecessarily. Yeah. I mean, this was a, th this should have never happened. Um, frankly, like you got away with it midweek at Salzburg because they had, they left so much room in behind that, you know, and they, they were so committed to, to pressing that there were huge gaps and your wingbacks can attack that space. Right. And, and make, just as you say, Dan, the calculus kind of work out for you, right? If you're going to take the risk, you have the the reward. This, they they were getting absolutely pressed out of position. They weren't tracking back. I mean, certainly neither one of them is defensive minded, and I don't think you can be upset at them for doing that. They're both attacking players. They're both left wingers or, or right wingers, whatever. So you're asking them to do a job that isn't natural for them in the first place. And you're asking him to do it against a team that was shot out of a cannon. I mean, that I think that's the bigger point that I would have about this is not their individual performances, although I think we can make you know plenty of comments about that. I think it was a just a gross misjudgment by um, no pun intended there, gross misjudgment by by Graham Potter because you barely you barely got away with it midweek. The Premier League is a much more physical league and is much more dependent on you having discipline than, than some of these group stage Champions League matches. Obviously, when you get deeper in the competition, that changes. But 
Uh, I think this is where Potter completely got it wrong. I would have liked to see us come out in a four back. I do not understand, unless Espelicueta is hurt and no one said anything about it, why he didn't play yesterday at, at right back. It, it it just left Kukurea and Chalaba all over the place. And it showed, Jam, because they they both had rough outings. Oh, 100%. And Kukurea is not a left centre back. I, I've i seen enough. I, honestly, I don't usually like to judge things as, as quick as this, but... I have had a bit of a long-term agenda against the three at the back anyway, as it is, and that really didn't help. <laughs> you know, um, Kukurena, uh, he's just not a defender. He's not defensively minded. I mean, left-back's a different story. Let me put it that way. But as the left centre-back, you see it so often. I've seen it in a few games, not just this one. Um, I think the Aston Villa game was the worst one where he got dragged at half-time. He, his first four, and I don't know, someone mentioned a good point on Twitter. He might be playing the way Potter used to play or wants us to play. And everyone else might be yet to catch up with the whole press because his first instinct is attack the space as a centre-back. So then what happens is he leaves all that space behind him because they inevitably bypass him. And it absolutely, you add that with the, the wing-backs being wingers, there was just acres of space, and it it just doesn't work. Unfortunately, it doesn't work. Sully March had him on toast yesterday, man. I mean, Sully March was utilizing his aggressiveness against him. He would Kukure would try and get tight, and then Sully March would allow him to get a little tighter, and then bypass him. And then, like you said, because he's supposed to be the guy that is in the space behind. They had acres of space to move, and then all the attacking play flowed through their wings, which was interesting because they actually adjusted. Brighton adjusted to a four-back at the beginning of this game, and I think caught Graham Potter out. But the thing that surprised me more is that Graham Potter didn't make an adjustment at halftime to bring on his Pilquete for the second half, really get into that back four and sit that back four in a row and, like, do not let that space get occupied allow Pulisic, allow Sterling, allow any of your attackers to move forward. And it just didn't happen. And I'm not exactly sure why we, we maintained the three at the back with the wing backs. It just didn't work. I almost yeah. wonder if that came down to the fact, though, that the only threat or the only kind of goals that came after the Trussard one, which you maybe say it's early enough in the match, it's a mistake. The second one is Rubens off the knee. The third one is Trev Chalaba at the very near end. But from goal two to goal three, we were, I think to Jam's point they made earlier, we were starting to find our way back into it. And it definitely was the, you know, uh, closing your eyes and putting it all on black or putting it all on red, whichever is your preferred choice when you go to the roulette table, and just hoping that you cashed out on your big bet. And so I don't know if it was as egregious as, like, this is a clear example of where something is working because we were finding ways forward. I think we mentioned the chance that Pulisic could have had, the chance that Connor could have had. Mason had an opportunity in there. Uh, Havertz had an early opportunity. Like th- there were definitely signs that we were getting forward, but it also left us super open on the back door in terms of being able to be exposed. I think Potter had a quote afterwards where he said, I understand that whenever you do something and it doesn't work, you look like a bit of a fool. So, I mean, he, he acknowledges and he said, that's how it is. I have to accept this, deal with it, do better, and I'll learn. That's the process. And so I, I do feel like it wasn't a great end result. There's a lot of extenuating circumstances into the 11 he picked. There were players that you could have said, hey, why didn't this player play? Because they didn't play during midweek or they didn't feature the full time. And so I do think he has to take a lot of this on the chin himself. But it also was just a wonky result. And if you place... N'Golo Conte back in the team, Koulibaly into the team, Rich James back in the team, Fafana in the team. I mean, players who either are a starter or would be uh, potentially competing for a starting spot, it's probably a different game. And you play that game nine times out of ten, maybe it's a draw or a win and not a loss. And so I, I just think it all worked out to be, you know, to be in a scenario where, like, this is just all of the, neg- <laughs> the negative results that could have gone this way up until this point, Jam. Like, everything where we, we've kind of been riding it a little bit, particularly with these injuries, uh, this was just the one where we, we couldn't patch over it. Yeah, no, that's that's a good way to put it. it it's been coming, hasn't it? We, we've seen signs in other games, like the Aston Villa game, that Brentford game, you know, we, we rode our luck at times. Um, and I just... 
I, I'm looking at the team and I'm just seeing too many performances that are just below par. Okay, I get some players are playing out of position. I I really do think we need to move to the fourth at the back. I think we need to pack out that midfield. We need to give him more support. I really do believe that. But I I have to talk about this guy, Sterling. I don't know what is going on with this guy. Even, and the, the, the reason why I'm, I'm going to take the position out of it, because I know he's not a wing back. Even when he gets into positions where he is one-on-one with the opposition defender, he's not looking to take them on. I know. When he gets a, ch- he gets a bit of space to have a shot, he's looking to pass. I don't know what is going on with this guy, but he's just not being effective as an attacker. And then it makes me question that, okay, if you're not being effective as an attacker, then why are you on the pitch? Like. What's he what's he gonna bring? Because you're not a defender, clearly. <laughs> uh yeah. uh yeah, no, I'm I'm right there with you. I, I've I think this is this is a delicate one though, right? Because this is a guy who I think everyone was excited for over the summer, a proven goal scorer in the Premier League, um a, a leader, you know, certainly one of England's leaders, and and you would anticipate he's he's a leader in the locker room at Chelsea. Started off okay. Uh, under Tuchel, got a couple of goals, scored in Grand Potter's first match. Has looked a shadow of himself since that point, and I would agree. I think I think it's a mental thing more than it is anything else. Maybe not totally understanding where Potter wants him to be positionally, or having the confidence to to attack those spaces with regularity. But I mean, those one on ones yesterday where. They made the breakthrough, right? They did the difficult work. They got the counterattack. They moved it down his side. And he's one-on-one with the defender backtracking, trying to figure out where he's going to go. And either he does these little stepovers and gets dispossessed, or he looks to make a pass that doesn't hit its intended target. And then I would agree with you, Jam, because at at that point, you're just taking up a spot that Aubameyang could be in, or Broya, or... You know, pick another attacker. Um, you know, I think this is a a really difficult moment, and it could be worth. You know, it certainly will be worth midweek giving players who are fatigued a rest and like just playing anyone who can fill a spot, kind of like we we did against Chesterfield last year in the in the FA Cup first round. But like, I I think this is a really there, there's going to be uh, need to be some really good coaching here from Graham Potter with Raheem Sterling, um, you know, especially in moments where he's not playing to help him figure out kind of where he's supposed to be. Because again, my, my point on this is like you, you bought this guy to do a job and he's, he's simply refusing to pull the trigger uh, when he gets into dangerous positions. And, you know, I don't know, to me, that seems like a waste of his talent. All right. Well, that is, uh, that's a, a bad, uh, a bad end judgment to leave on, on Raheem Sterling. Uh, um, but you know, I I think to Nick's point, Jam, I mean, we're just, we're waiting to see some of the goodness that he saw or was able to showcase at city. And then I think part of it also does come down to how are we getting our players a ball and putting them in positions where they're not, you know, two on one, which is tends to be, you know, at least what I was seeing yesterday. I mean, they brain was able to lead people back and make it difficult for our attackers. It wasn't like they were getting, easy runs on the ball. Well, and I, w- I would say this too, like other side, Pulisic missed the easy chance, right? I mean, that that drags us back to 2-1, or actually to 1-1 straight away. Should have been there, right? Connor should have scored it initially, you know? So when you look at, you know, seven shots on target out of 15, we're, we're getting closer to what I would assume is is a an area where we'd win the match, right? You know, I've, I've been hoping for above 35% shots on target of your total shots. There were just moments yesterday where I think people just weren't composed in, in the final third. And, you know, I look at both of those players, you know, getting two starts in a row, right, at wing back and vastly different results um, in both those games, obviously, they are not wingbacks. Like this is a this is a triage situation. I doubt you're going to see Sterling and Pulisic trotted out as wingbacks again here. Let's hope Aspilicueta does not hurt because you know for all the writing off of him that people have done this year, I think we absolutely need him. And then I agree with Jam. We simply don't have the center backs to play a three center back set right now. So you know unless unless you're going to bring Aspi in to right center back, play Trev at left, and then figure out what to do with that right 
wingback situation, which you really don't have any backfill right now. It's it's four at the back for me, and then like like Jam said, try and pack that midfield and, and try and win the ball back in higher areas because that's what Connor should be doing. That's what Mason has done consistently. Like I, that's what I would hope to see anyway. Dan, you're stunned in the silence. <laughs> well, at this point, I think we've kind of exhaustively gone through what didn't work for Chelsea. We don't need to talk more about what didn't work, but we're going to talk about what we should try to look for. Hope we see for Potter in the second, the remainder of this first half of the season after we come back from this break. But uh, we'll be right back and uh, yeah, get into it. All right, so there's only a handful of Premier League matches left between now and the World Cup. Uh, as of time of recording, we are currently in sixth place because United have just scored. And so um, yeah, I probably delivered that news and uh, sorry for being the one to share that to both of you. But how does Potter plug the holes how does he try to maximize the results you know we have dynamo zagreb midweek we have a not too fun run of results or matches to go into with having to face both arsenal and newcastle league leaders arsenal still league leaders arsenal which is also disgusting to say it just feels feels like weird coming out of the mouth um but Jam, like as you're looking at this, you're saying what what can Potter do? What are the things like what are like one or two like functional things that he could do to maximize results, kind of try to put us back in the top four between now and mid-November? Well, let, let me contextualize our four matches really quick, Jam, before you dive in. Zagreb at home, Wednesday, play the kids. Uh, Chelsea Arsenal at home, November 6th, which is a Sunday. Uh, EFL Cup third round against Man City away on the 9th of November. So just three days after that. And then Newcastle at home on or Newcastle away, uh, St. James's Park on the 12th, three days after that. Those are our last four matches before the World Cup. Go. Yeah, it's, uh, it's a few long days there, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> Do you know the, the problem that I've got other than Zagreb? Okay, Man City, we could, we're probably going to feel the very weakened team and I'd, I'd expect them to do the same. What will be will be in that cup. Like I don't think anyone really cares that much. Uh, it is what it is. Now, the problem that I've got, and I'll include City on this anyway, City, Arsenal, Newcastle, all play with high intensity. What have we struggled against is high intensity. And these guys have a hell of a lot more quality than teams that we've lost to that also play with high intensity. So my first thing with Potter, I'd say, look, I'd go through some of the stats of these games. I mean, I haven't got them to hand, but I've seen them at the time. And I'll talk to the to the players and just say, look, you, you need to be able to run today. <laughs> it's as simple as that. You need to want to run today. If you don't have that will and desire, unfortunately, it's, you're just going to lose. You're just going to lose. Um, I think I saw a stat as well about successful dribbles. And Brighton got over 60% successful dribbles. And we got something insanely bad like less than 10 percent. i think that's another issue that we've got we don't have players that are willing to take on their defenders and beat them so you could the amount of opportunities you create like that it's we don't undermine that so i i would genuinely start to look at the players that are actually capable of that and play them brojar i think he's a, an absolute handful up front i'd love to see him get more game time He's super pasty, super physical, and he can create stuff just from him, from, from that. I, I think it's worth playing him a bit more. I really do. I'd get Pulisic further up the pitch in, into one of those winger positions because we all know his strength, is one of his main strengths, if it's not his best strength, is dribbling. And I would say you have to dribble that way. <laughs> you have to put them, <laughs> make, make sure that they are turning around and you can see their shirt number. You need yeah. to make them go that way. If he, if you get into his head and make him do that, I think he could be really effective. Then the other position, I'd like to get another dribbler on there. But to be honest, what I'm seeing from Sterling, it, it probably won't be him. Then I look and I think, who else could it be? And I'm struggling. So it's, it's probably going to have to Kovacic. be that. Kovacic yeah. is the only player in our team that takes people on consistently. It's crazy. Absolutely spot on. But then, you know, for the sake of this is the attacker position on the left, it's probably going to have to be Mount. And it feels like he's not, a winger, but he seems to be doing his best performances there anyway. So it's very hard. I think this this team is 
we we just need to get over the line. And I think, you know, if we were to get one win from Arsenal Newcastle, one of those are wins and the other could be a draw, I think everybody would take that. I think Man City doesn't matter. If we're able to get one win and one draw, we'll take that. So we have to shore up the defence. We have to have players on the pitch that are willing to run and match intensity, characters, you know, foul these players when they're getting, you know, just to break up the game, take more yellow cards. It's risky, but we have to do that. Be prepared to go long to Brojar, someone that can run in behind. Get them going the other way. And I, I think it could work. I, I just, we can't afford to play this slow build-up play from the back and then expect them not to press us. Because going to St. James's Park, my God, they, those guys are going to be noisy. They're going to be well mm -hmm. up for it. They probably will know by then if they beat us, they can create a gap between us and them. <laughs> it's, it's, it's looking long. So, yeah characters we we just need characters we need we need pace and power on the pitch as well yeah i mean i i think there's there's a lot of things here i i said this i think last week as well the goal here is to survive in the best position you can up until the world cup right if it's getting shitty draws that's what you got to do right like there, there's a job to be done here because the season completely starts over on December 26th. There will be no momentum. There will be no guarantee that your entire team is going to be injury-free, nor anyone else's team is going to be injury-free. This World Cup is going to screw so much shit up for everybody that you can press restart on December 26th and go again, right? So the goal right now, in my mind, if I'm Graham Potter, is one of ultra-pragmatism. How the hell do we stop leaking stupid goals one, which I think we've we've beaten to death. I'm not going to retread that territory. And then two, how do we start to score goals more regularly, right? And I think you start to score goals more regularly by packing the midfield. I think your midfielders need to have eight out of 10 performances, whether there's two of them, three of them, four of them, whatever the hell you want to do. He's played some, you know, a weak diamond formation before in midfield. Uh, there's a bunch of stuff that we can try to get more people there to win the ball up higher so that Tiago Silva isn't rescuing us every time down the pitch. That is crucial, crucial, crucial to our success. And I'll tell you, if I'm Omari Hutchinson right now and I'm watching these winger performances and I get a chance against Zagreb, I get a chance against Man City, ooh, I'm, I'm excited because I'm looking at the rest of this team right now going, you know what they don't really do is take people on. You know what I'm pretty good at? Taking people on. You know what I'm really good at? Putting in amazing crosses and service for, let's just call it a big guy like Armando Broya or Aubameyang who can find that space. Like, I, I think if you're given a chance in this run, whether it be Zakaria or Hutchinson or, or players that we just haven't really seen that much, go take your chances, man, because there could be more for you after the World Cup break. Like, that's how serious it is. That's how injured we are. And... Yeah, just hope that our defense is able to hold up for, for three or four more matches, Dan. I would say just don't expect pretty football for the rest of this run of matches from Chelsea. Like, just get mm -hmm. that out of your mind, because if you go in any of these matches thinking that it's going to be fast-paced, high-flying, tons of goals, no, that's not... A, this Chelsea side is not built that way currently. B, that is not what we should be expecting I think to the point you made, Nick, pragmatism, just being realistic with what we need to do, which is not lose ground. Two draws out of the Arsenal and Newcastle match is enough. Like, just don't lose either of those games because then at least at that point, you haven't lost ground to teams that you do need to go up against. I mean, look, one win and one draw would be better, <laughs> um, frankly, but they, they are people in in the table that we need to, you know, we definitely want to gazump, you know, Newcastle, but we want to close some ground up against here against Arsenal. Yeah. I, I would say this too. If I'm Graham Potter, I'm thinking about unique and um, more efficient ways to start matches. If you think about the last few matches that we have started, we've been on the back foot for the first five, 10, 15 minutes. That's not good enough. Um, we got to come out, really with a, a head of steam and try and make it uncomfortable for the other team. We know that Arsenal can give up shit goals. We, we scored a hell of a lot against them in the past. Like we know if we put some pressure back on them, we can get goals. 
We know that Newcastle is not the finished product yet. They're playing pretty well right now, but this isn't the Invincibles. I mean, give me a break. Like, both of these teams are beatable, but you can't go out and just hope that they don't score on you in the first 20 minutes. Got to come out with a different game plan. And frankly, I think that means that we stop playing out of the back. I think we have to have a different strategy. This this team right now is not set up goalkeeping, defending midfield to actually receive the ball, make those turns and go. It just needs to be a different strategy. And maybe someone like Broya, maybe someone like Havertz, maybe a tandem up front. Maybe you play all three strikers at once. I don't fucking know. But you got it. You got to figure out ways to go long efficiently. And, you know, that's just going to be what it has to be. And I don't care if it looks pretty, if it's effective, but we certainly can't give up possession in those dangerous areas and expect not to get scored on in the Premier League. That's ridiculous. The other two things that I would advocate for, one, is it's two different mental models of the 11s that you want to put in this like game. If it is a starter for Arsenal, if it's a starter for Newcastle, they are not featuring or they are featuring in a very late substitute role in the City match and in the Zagreb match. Like, they should definitely not be in the Zagreb match. There's, like, there's no reason for Kovacic to go out there. There's no reason for DiGiorgino to go out there. Keep them healthy. Let them be ready. Because these players haven't gotten rest. Like, could if you could give Kovacic, who's working through a knee problem, Jorginho, who's had an ongoing hip problem, a midday, midweek match off where they could say, hey, just you mentally get ready to go up against Arsenal. That is going to do wonders for some of the reset that needs to occur in this team. Like, Thiago Silva should get some time off as well. I mean, it's like, it is kind of impossible, like, because of the, the shortage of, uh, of defenders that we have. But, like, we need to figure out a way to do a mini refresh here. And that does mean, I think, sacrificing a good-looking result against Zagreb. I think it means that we probably don't advance in the League Cup against City. But I would rather, at this point, make up the ground in the Premier League then potentially limp our way into or try to pre- try to prevent going further down the table between now and the World Cup, which is, I mean, Jan, that's probably the biggest thing is how, how much will Potter risk those two matches, a, a really a dead rubber match against Zagreb and a League Cup game that you're not guaranteed to win. How much will he really invest in both of those? Knowing that, if you don't do well in those two Premier League games, you could be seventh, eighth, or worse heading into the World Cup, and then you really have built up, you know, kind of a a bad, you know, big journey back at the restart. Oh yeah, he's he's definitely. I can't see any other way he does this, but he's definitely going to prioritize uh, Arsenal at home and Newcastle away. So that means he is going to make a lot of changes, I believe, and he hasn't been scared to rotate. Um, you know, since he's been here, if anything, he's rotating every other match. So, you know, we, who's going to play next time? Um, but no, I the, the the one slight caveat I'd actually add to that is, Zar, obviously Zagreb is a free hit because we've qualified and we, we're top. But I might even play somebody like Sterling because actually it could be an argument to play him and just take him off in the 60th minute, but see if he can get himself a goal. And just get the the monkey off his back, you know, like so that that's now out of his head, and he's just like got that confidence flowing through him again, where he can take people on and he can start having shots. So I'll maybe just say that maybe someone like him should play. Um, other than that, you've got to wrap everyone else up in in cotton wool, you know. Chilwell hasn't played for a little while, which is a bit weird. Um, so you know, again, Cucurella keeps coming off at half time or there or thereabouts. Play one of them. I, I think you have to just to, you know, get that confidence going again. But um, it is a good chance for the youngsters. Broha, um, Kudamari, get some time off the bench, maybe, you know, get them on, get them on. And um, yeah, we, we need our key players being completely fresh for Arsenal because that is going to be Intensity City. They've already qualified from their group as well. They have. And obviously they play on Thursday, but that's not going to matter to them. You know, that's not going to matter. They're going to be well up for us. They're going to make wholesale changes. So we need to, we need to really match up to them um, and have players on the pitch that want to do that. I think, I think if you're looking at 
the uh, League Cup match in particular, because I've already, in a previous match review, kind of named off the youngsters that could feature against Zagreb. But if you're a Bashir Humphreys, if you're a Juan Castillo, if you're a Josh Broking, you know, areas of the pitch where, where we may be a little short-staffed right now, congratulations, you're going to the Etihad. <laughs> I mean, like, <laughs> that's kind of the way it is, like, to be honest. And and I think I would I would pay some special attention to uh, Chelsea Youth's uh, Academy updates on this feed uh, over the next couple of months because you just don't know who's going to come back from the World Cup healthy, who's going to come back hurt. Right. You do have the January window, but it's a bad window to buy. You almost always get ripped off. So, yeah, there could be a lot more integration of youth than we were even anticipating at the start of the season. Great. Well, so we can uh, send this uh, MP3 file over to Graham Potter because I think we've helped him fix some of the problems that he'll be facing over the next few weeks. But we're going to round this one out. Uh, No Dan in the match because uh, we lost really badly uh so that 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 doesn't run um some of the other results you saw city beat leicester one nothing tottenham squeak by somehow against bournemouth three to two brentford and wolves draw uh, one apiece we lost obviously four to one palace was able to beat southampton one nothing newcastle four nothing over villa the new manager bounce over uh fulham and everton with a nil nil leads thank goodness doing something right this weekend dirty leads beating liverpool so at least that was a I don't know, nice consolation prize. Then Arsenal hammering Forest after uh, their impressive win uh, the past week, or uh, performance against Liverpool, rather, uh, 5-0, which is uh, kind of dreadful there. Yep. Not what you want to see. No, and as of current uh, time of recording, 47 minutes into the United match, and they are still up one nothing over the Hammers. Uh, but that does not leave us in a good position on the table, and uh, we are now in sixth place uh, at current time. So hopefully the Hammers can pull one back or maybe, maybe even beat United. That would be really great, and uh, we can kind of be in fifth place again by the time that this drops to people's feeds. But again, it is Arsenal up top. Crazily enough, 20, 31 points. You have Manchester City, 29 points in second. Spurs, 26, third place. Newcastle, 24, fourth place. That is not the top four most people would have predicted uh, at this point in the season. Uh, and then at the bottom, very, very bottom, Nottingham Forest, uh, finding a way to uh, get back down through the moon door. Uh, Wolves uh, with Diego Costa red cards in 19th place and 10 points. And Leicester City uh, at 11, uh, 11 points in 18th place. But, you know, still, still close on the bottom. Could be, could be anyone going down. Just hopefully not us. Just hopefully not us. <laughs> And really, big shout-outs to Bournemouth for taking their foot off the gas there. Thanks. Really, really appreciate, appreciate that. that. Could, could have been a yeah. really, really nice result for, for all of us who were suffering through ours. But uh, that's going to do it. That's going to wrap it up for this one. Uh, Jam, thank you so much for, for getting that first uh, LIBP cap. We really appreciate it. And uh, keep on doing all this wonderful work with the club. We've been enjoying uh, getting a chance to watch it. Yeah, thank you, lads. It's been it's been fun, as I expected it would be. It's been good. Um and yeah, just uh, really happy to have made my debut, like you said. There you go. And uh, yeah, maybe we can look forward to some more episodes in the future. Oh, you know it. We'll definitely get it done. Uh, Nick, appreciate you as always. Brandon, hope you had a wonderful wedding. We do need to see the best man speech, just FYI. Uh, we will not 100%. let you back on the podcast until that happens. But until next time, Chelsea fans, you know what to do. Keep the blue flag flying high.